0: Tomorrow's Memorial Day, today that we want to remember and honor all who have made that ultimate sacrifice and laid their lives on the altar of freedom. We also, as we already have done this morning, salute all the servicemen and women that at one time in their life wrote a check of the value all the way up to including their life if need be for a nation. I'm sure you, like me, is deeply moved when we see little videos like we just saw there. Freedom is costly. Freedom requires sacrifice. True freedom comes at a great price. Freedom is not free. Our spiritual freedom cost God the life of his only son, on an old, rugged Roman cross. Where Jesus Christ died in agony to pay the penalty of sin for you and for me and for all the sins of the world. Our spiritual freedom came at an incredibly high price. Our freedom as Americans has also come at a high price. More than 1,300,000 men and women have given their life, answering the call of freedom for America The Civil War alone saw 625,000 casualties, making it the most deadliest conflict our nation has ever endured. The Battle of Gettysburg was one of those high-water marks of the war, and it was especially devastating as well. Four months after that battle, on a hillside in Gettysburg on November 9, 1863, 15,000 people gathered to dedicate the Gettysburg Cemetery you know who the keynote speaker, the main speaker was that day? I think a lot of us know one of the speeches that came out of that. But the, actually, the, the main speaker that day was a fellow by the name of Senator Edward Everett from Massachusetts. I didn't know that. I knew there was a different speaker. But he spoke for over two hours, more than 14,000 words. President Lincoln got to his feet after he spoke, and he spoke for less than three minutes with 272 words. And I believe he changed the course of America with that one beautiful, small speech. Part of that speech goes like this. It says, The world will little note nor long remember what we say here. You know, well, that was an understatement. We all remember that Gettysburg Address. But it can never be forgotten what they did here. It is for us the living rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here had thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they here gave the last full measure of devotion, that we highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth. Jesus Christ said, greater love has no man than this, and he lays down his life for a friend. Because of God's rich, rich blessings and because of the sacrifices of our military, there's no other nation ever that has been blessed like America has been. May you and I never forget the price that's been paid. Today we're going to continue on our study of Genesis and Noah. As I was praying about what to preach, whether I stayed in Noah and Genesis or move on to something different just for the day, Noah is a fitting tribute here to what we're honoring today as well, but more than that, he's a fitting tribute to God Almighty. And the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 6. We're going to begin with the 13th verse. Genesis 6, verse 13. As you find your way to Genesis 6, 13, stand with me this morning, if you will, out of reverence and respect to the reading of God's holy word. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, and the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark. Cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 uh, 300 cubits. Its width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit from above. And set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters to the earth. "...to destroy from under heaven all flesh, in which there is the breath of life. Everything that is in the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your, wife, your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh you shall bring, two of every sort, into the ark, to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Now the birds after their kind, and the animals after their kind, and every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind, will come to you to keep them alive." And you shall take for yourself all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did, according to all God commanded him, so he did. Let's pray. Father, may you bless the reading of your holy word. Father, speak to our hearts today. Father, Lord, as we see Noah, Father, walking in obedience with God Almighty, Father, I pray that you speak to each one of our hearts today about obedience, that full measure of devotion to you, Father. Lord, we thank you now once again for all these things in the precious, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I remember seeing a list years ago written by a former Marine that said, everything I learned about life I learned at Marine Boot Camp. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but, you know, someone's put together a different list here. It's everything I really need to know I learned from Noah's Ark. Think about this for just a second. Noah didn't wait for his ship to come in. He built one. Plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Stay fit. When you're 500 years old, somebody might ask you to do something really big. Remember that the ark was built by amateurs. The Titanic was built by professionals. No matter how bleak it looks, if God is with you, there's always a rainbow on the other side. What impressed the Lord in Noah's day is the same thing that impresses us now. It impresses him now. It's full obedience. And above all else, do not miss the boat. You know, there's many things we can learn from this story. No, we've already been talking about it last week. But the Bible is very clear about the facts of this story. You know, it's up to you and I whether or not we want to believe it. God's word is absolute truth. It's clear in the Bible that Jesus Christ believed the Bible's account of the flood. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. He's speaking about himself. Every claim in the book of Genesis regarding the events of the flood, Jesus Christ believed. He believed it. Mentioned to you last week, but it's worth bearing again that Noah's mentioned 50 times in nine different books of the Bible. Just a couple of other things to think about here, about the ark and what Noah did there. Until the 19th century, the ark was the largest man-made structure to float. Nothing ever built bigger than that. The ark was actually a barge. It wasn't a ship. It had no means of propulsion. It had no steering mechanism. It was designed to do only one thing, and that's to float. It was a big, big box. You ask, is there any historical proof that the boat ever existed more than 270 cultures around the world have a story about a flood. One in particular, probably the most well-known one, is the Epic of Gilgamesh. It's recorded from 2000 B.C. The ruler, This man, Gilgamesh, was the ruler of the Sumerians at that point. And he recounted, because he'd been told from his ancestors, that there was a huge flood. But more than that, he recounted this thing, that one family survived that flood. But also God did it because he was tired of the way that people were behaving but it also said it was done in a large wooden cube. Over and over we hear about it in secular history here, that at one point in our history there was a flood. Some people are wondering about the animals. How did Noah get the animals and how did he capture them? Well, Genesis 6.20, we just read, says they will come to you. God says I'm going to bring them to you. God brought the animals. Well, how about their onboard behavior? You know, we don't know for sure, but maybe God gave them a spirit of hibernation. The one thing we want to talk about this morning, though, is really the focus of the scripture. It's obedience. It's obedience. Genesis 6.22 said, Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. Genesis 7.5 said, and Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Well, so what? So what that he did these things? Without a doubt, the Bible records Noah as one of the greatest characters in the whole Bible. Why is that? Because of his obedience. Because he obeyed God. Hebrews 11:7 7 says this By faith, Noah, when he was warned about these things, had not seen yet in holy fear, he built an ark. Ponder this thought for just a second. Noah had never seen rain. Nobody had ever seen rain at that time. Noah had no proof for sure that the, ark, that the flood was coming. And while Noah was building this ark, you know what was happening? He was the object of mockery. Why are you building a big ship in the middle of the desert? There's no rain coming. Can you only imagine the, the, the animosity and the, and the uh, rebuke that Noah took from his peers at that time? What made Noah such an incredibly spiritual giant in the eyes of Almighty God? He built the ark. He walked in obedience with God. 2 Peter 2 5 says this He says, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Genesis 6 9 says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God heard this express one time. I thought it was kind of funny, but probably true. Noah worked all day in the ark, and he passed out tracts all night. Noah was building this ark, making a statement in front of all his peers, of all the people that time, that God's wrath and judgment is coming. But he also preached righteousness. He preached the fact that it's time to repent, time to get our hearts right back with God. You may have seen this in the news here, but uh, I, I re- didn't realize that it, was already, that it was illegal to have abortions in Ireland. But they just had a voting referendum here and they unfortunately overturned that just this last week. They now want to have abortions in Ireland. Praise God that they had a period of time in their history when they said they're illegal. So did we. What is God looking for from you and I? He's looking for you and I to walk in obedience as well. What are the biggest things that we struggle with? Obedience. We have a hard time with obedience had a great prayer time here with our men on, Sunday, uh, on Thursday night. And uh, one of the things we talked about Sunday night, uh, Thursday night was surrendering ourselves. Surrendering ourselves to God. Why don't we walk in obedience? Because we haven't completely surrendered. We ask the question, Pastor, how do we really surrender? Fall deeper in love with God. That's how we do it. Just get more intimate with God. Spend more time with God. Spend so much time with Him that we're overwhelmed with God. You can't draw close to God and not have love overwhelm you. To have this relationship with God is the greatest relationship there is. I want to walk in obedience. Why? Because when I walk in obedience, I know that I'm walking right in the center of God's will. That should be one of our prayers each and every morning. God, help me to be in the center of your will today. God, I don't want to be anywhere else in my life besides the center of your will. The great distinguishing mark of Noah's life was he built the ark. You know, it's interesting, even though God said he walked with him, that Noah was a righteous man, that he was right before his fellow man as well. Noah knew how to do more than just walk with God. Noah knew how to walk in obedience. You know what impressed God about Noah that day is the same thing that impresses him today. Obedience. Luke 6.46 says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? John thirteen seventeen says this, if you know these things, happy are you that do them. James one twenty two says, Be doers of the word, not just hearers. Matthew seven twenty four says this the wise man is a man who hears the words of mine and does them. God finds great pleasure in people serious about obeying Him. God is looking for obedience. God's not expecting us to be perfect. God's expecting us to have a desire and a passion walk in obedience I love this story November 11th 1967 In the jungles of the central highlands of Vietnam a young 19 year old kid lied in those fields critically wounded and dying their force was outnumbered 8 to 1 the fire was so intense that the commanding officer of that small Marine unit waved the medevac choppers off. It's just the fire's too hot. It's too hot of a landing zone. Do not come. So the medevacs pulled away, did not land. This young 19 year old boy lying there, 12,000 miles away from home, thinking about this was his last few moments on Earth, heard that and realized my one chance really to survive is flying away. Lying there in that moment in the midst of the heavy fire and not really being able to defend himself anymore because he was so critically wounded. All of a sudden he looked up and here comes an American Huey helicopter attempting to land in the perimeter. That helicopter was flown by a fellow by the name of Ed Freeman. Ed Freeman was not a medevac helicopter pilot. He was a Huey gunship Helicopter pilot. He didn't need to listen to that wave off by the commanding officer, so he decided on going in to get the the medically hurt people. He picked up that young 19-year-old boy there and another Marine, carried him away. He came back 13 more times. Nobody knew this until the final evacuation there, but Captain Ed Freeman was wounded four times, three times in the legs and one time in the left arm, but kept coming back. They credited him with saving 29 lives, beginning with that first 19-year-old that would have died there if he had not seen serious medical attention. Captain Ed Freeman won the Medal of Honor for going above and beyond the call of duty. You know, as we look at the Holy Scriptures, we see many references to soldiers. We see it all throughout the Old Testament, David and his mighty men of valor. That we know the Apostle Paul was constantly talking about soldiers do not become entangled with things of these war, be a good soldier. There are so many beautiful, beautiful parallels between soldiers and who we're supposed to be. We don't sing it a whole lot. Maybe we'll sing it next time we do hymns here in our church, onward Christian soldiers. Most of you remember that song. Maybe we need to remember that a little bit more. I've shared with you before, too, that um, a lot of times we look at church and it's kind of like a cruise ship. We feel like it's supposed to be a nice place. We come and have a good time and the uh, cruise ship serves us. Well, in actuality, based on what God's holy word says, that our church should be more like a battleship. Okay, That we've been placed in the middle of fallen territory. There's an enemy out there that wants to destroy our marriages, our families, wants to destroy our church, our churches. You and I have been called out to walk in obedience as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have an incredible opportunity to see these illustrations. And the the parallel that I, I love to see, I mentioned a minute ago, is the fact that men and women have volunteered to give everything they have for the cause of America. You know what God's asking? God's asking the same thing, only he wants us to give everything for him. Be willing to give my life. And many people have through the years. The apostles all gave their life for the cause of Christ. God is calling you and I out to die to the world and to live for him. First Samuel 15, we see a story of King Saul. King Saul really struggled. But he was charged by God in this chapter to destroy the Amalekites. God told them to destroy every single living thing. For what they did to the nation of Israel when they were leaving Egypt. He says they deserved to be destroyed. Well, the king said, "Okay," and went about doing his business there. But he ultimately did not kill the king, nor did he kill all the sheep and all the oxen. He spared some of the best of those sheep and those oxen. When Samuel asked him, "Why did you not obey God?" he said, "Well, I want to sacrifice the best to the Lord." And this is what Samuel said to him. It says in verse 22 of first chapter, first Samuel 15. So Samuel said, "Has the Lord as great delight?" Burnt offerings and sacrifices as opposed to obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to heed in the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is an iniquity of adultery. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. You know, we know that Saul died a physical death on the field of battle against the Philistines. He actually died here a number of chapters earlier. because Why? Because he disobeyed God and God took his hands off Saul. We still have a problem with this today. Walking in complete obedience. We fail to truly obey fully. I mentioned it a minute ago, but I love what Abraham Lincoln said. The full measure of devotion. God's looking for that full devotion. God looks at us and is desiring for us not to walk in perfection, but He wants us to walk with passion for obedience, to have a heart to walk in a great way with Him, to be obsessed with God Almighty, to put Him first in our life, and be the kind of people that God desires to work alongside of. Our nation, pray tell, needs men and women of faith To stand in obedience. The only obedience that God truly considers real obedience is full obedience. God desires for you and I to walk with him in obedience.